0: up in heaven, God is sitting on his throne, anticipating another sinner will soon become his own. Years of wasted living and years of toil and strife are just about to be over. As he receives the gift of life Go sound the horn Strike up the choir A sinner is saved Saved from the fire No more in darkness He received my son all oh, heaven rejoices that's the value of one the holy spirit has been working to soften up a heart all he needs is a willing servant simply do his part. Can you imagine up in heaven the joy there'll be that day when a sinner bows his head to pray. Can't you hear the Father say go sound the horn strike up the choir a sinner is saved saved from Fire, no more in darkness. He received my son. All heaven rejoices. That's the value of one. Start construction on his mansion there on Hallelujah Street. He doesn't know yet. What is waiting when the Savior He will meet? He'll meet. Go sound the horn. Strike up the choir. A sinner is saved. Saved from the fire. No more in darkness. He received my Son. All heaven rejoices, that's the value of one. All heaven rejoices, that's the value of
1: one. Man, appreciate that, Brother Josh. The value of one. Well, it is Mother's Day, and uh, what a wonderful day it is to, to uh, take a moment and pause and honor our mothers. We're going to do so this morning, and at the end of the service, we do have a special gift for all the mothers in attendance today as well. I hope you enjoyed your coffee this morning for those of you that were able to get it, and uh, I know that was some good iced coffee out there. Not because I had it, because I had it before, all right? So I didn't cheat and drink it this morning. I know it was just for the mothers, but today's Mother's Day. Time to honor. Uh, Those who gave birth, or raised us, they took care of us, they brought us through the the trials of childhood. And uh, it's important to honor mothers. I'm a firm believer in that. I think all of us uh, in the room this morning would agree with that. Mothers fill many roles in our lives. And uh, whether they've been a nurse or an advisor, an educator, a nutritionalist, uh, they've just filled all of those different categories. And uh, we couldn't do it without them. Um, And so, you know, the Bible even reminds us, uh, Solomon reminds us in Proverbs that Uh, Her children rise up and call her blessed and her husband also and he praiseth her and so on mother's day It's not just a child to a on a child to a mother It's a, a husband to a wife and I think we ought to show and demonstrate that love and respect but as kind of an introduction this morning, why did God make mothers well according to some second graders when the question was posed Why did God make mothers the top answers consisted of mostly to clean the house and to help us? out when we were there getting born? <laughs> well, I guess there's a lot of truth there, yeah? Why did God give you your mother and not some other mom? The top answer, we're related. God knew she liked me a lot more than other people's moms would like me. <laughs> yeah, again, you know, they hitting it right on the head. Why did your mom marry your dad? The top answer, my grandma says mom didn't have her thinking cap on. Uh oh. What would it take to make your mom perfect? Top answer. On the inside, she's already perfect. Outside, I think some kind of plastic surgery. <laughs> Ooh. Right out of the mouth of some brilliant second graders. I don't know, they say out of the mouths of babes. I, you know, I'm not going to go there this morning. But in all seriousness, they do deserve our honor and blessing and praise. And It's, it's really uh, showing honor and giving blessings to your parents is the first commandment with promise. That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long upon the earth. And so I know that this morning we want to take time to honor our mothers. And I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 15, if you would. Matthew chapter 15. Lord knows there isn't a man alive that can take the place of a mom or do what she does. And I know that in the world we live in today, there is some confusion about that. (laughs) There are some men that feel they can play that role of mother, but uh, biblically there's a role that God ordained, and that is of a mother and a wife and of a woman. And there's a role that a man plays as well as a husband, a father, and a man. And uh, one day a man spotted a lamp by the roadside. He picked it up and rubbed it vigorously, and a genie appeared. I'll grant you your fondest wish, the genie said. The man thought for a moment and said, I want a spectacular job, a job that no man has ever succeeded at, and poof, he was a mom. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it just doesn't happen. There's no, there's no man alive that can be a mom the way that a mom can be mom, and uh, it just doesn't work that way. Mothers are priceless. They're irreplaceable. And today, I want to take you, all of us this morning, on a journey through motherhood a journey through motherhood. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21, we read, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. This morning, I want to take you again, as I said, on a journey through motherhood. And in this short passage of scripture, we really do experience a journey of motherhood. And we'll explain that in just a moment. Father, Lord, we do come to you this morning. Lord, I ask that you would help me to deliver this message clearly, the message that you have for us today. Lord, I'm confident in the message that you've given me that it's what we need. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help our ears to be receptive. Now our hearts to accept what you have for us. Lord, as the Holy Spirit prods us and convicts our hearts as we feel those pings of guilt or shame or encouragement, Lord, I pray that we would hold on to those and do something with them. Lord, as I have already mentioned today, Lord, I ask that there wouldn't be a soul that would leave this place today without knowing for sure that heaven is their home. Lord, we pray that you'd be honored through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. The first... Part of our journey through a mother's life this morning or journey through motherhood is a mother's start. Obviously, you don't begin a journey without the start, do you? It has to begin somewhere. And in this passage, in verse number 22, we see where it says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter, my daughter, Up until that point, it was just a woman coming out of the coast of Tyre and Sidon. That's how the Bible introduces her. But in two words, the whole story changes. At least it does for me. And it changes because of the introduction of a child. Her plea and cry to the Lord was not a plea or a cry for herself. It was the plea and a cry for a child. Any parent in this room today will understand the truth in what I'm about to say. You cry out for your kids much more intensely than you cry out for yourself. And the cry that was cried in this passage was an intense plea. The story is completely changed because of that child. After all, it is the introduction of a child into a mother's life that changes her. It changes her from a woman to a mother. I'm going to ask Amy if she'd come on up this morning, and Mrs. Harris and Brother Keith, if you'd come on up. And I'd like to to demonstrate something here. Here we have, really, I guess, two ends of a spectrum. You can come on up here, Amy, if you would stand on this side. Mrs. Harris, if you come over here with your son. And uh, Lord knows there's a great disparity in beauty of the children here. But um, <laughs> here we have Amy, a, a new mother. All right, and and just uh, how old's Hadley now? Three months, all right? Three months this week. Precious little baby girl. Just three months ago, or well, I guess I should say 12 months ago, this was just a woman. Then she conceived a child. And now she is a mother. There's a difference. And over here we have Mrs. Harris and her burly bearded mountain man. (laughs) I love Mrs. Harris and Brother Keith and and, uh, Amy as well and Hadley. But... Lives change From a mother A mother And really I would venture to say And I'm putting words in their mouth She said I wouldn't make her talk So I'm not even going to ask her the question right now But she asked that I wouldn't make her talk Um, This is still her son And it's just as precious He's the baby (laughs) Out of the horse's mouth. Alright? He's the baby. Alright? But here we have it. it, it, it oh, he's praying favors over here. I, I don't know about that. Better be careful. But either way, we have a mother and a son, and a mother and a daughter, and this is their children. This is their, this is a child that changed their lives. It, it created in them a bond that it, it cannot be broken in a way. Something so precious it can't be explained, it can't be created, it can't be re- duplicated in a lab. A child that was formed in their womb that they gave birth to is their their son and their their son and their daughter. It changed their life. You made me seated this morning, and I just wanted to demonstrate for you how it is simply the introduction into a ch- a mother's life that changes their lives. And on the start here, we see. The birth or the, the introduction of the daughter that changes the whole intensity of this story. And I want you to keep in mind that this is a mother going through this scenario. This is not simply a woman. We see other places in Scripture where a woman does come to Jesus and touch the hem of his garment, uh, wanting for a change in her life. But to me, it doesn't parallel the intensity of this story because it is the cry of a mother for her child. The birth of a child is a special thing. It's miraculous, isn't it? It is a miracle. The form, it's, and it's, it's not just simply the formation of tissue that creates a body. It's more than that. An animal gives birth, but when a child is born, they're born with a body and a soul. They're born with more than one part to them. A physical being and a spiritual being. And this morning I just want to hint on this before we move on in our journey through motherhood that one birth for us in our lives is not enough. Obviously all of us that sit in this room this morning have experienced a physical birth, but the Bible is very clear that we must also have a spiritual birth. The Bible tells us in a conversation between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus, I'm sorry, Nicodemus John chapter 3, verse 37, and just listen if you would. He says, Verily I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, just to clarify, that's not talking of water and the Spirit. It's not talking about baptism. It's talking about the physical birth as the water breaks and the child is born being born of water and the spirit. That there are two births that must take place in a person's life. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23, the Bible tells us being born again not of corruptible seed, the physical being that eventually dies or uh, you know fades away. It says being born not again of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. When you're born obviously the DNA of your parents is passed down. On you and unfortunately for all of us We can trace our DNA all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden And because we trace our DNA, our genes All the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden Not only do we have physical bodies that we identify with But we also have something a part of us That was there from the, be- the first sin of mankind And that is a sin nature The Bible tells us wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world Referencing Adam and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The reason we are in need of a second birth, not just a physical birth, the reason we're in need of a spiritual birth this morning, is because of that sin nature. It's in that sin nature, that we receive the condemnation of hell. It's what we deserve, because of who we are. As precious as three month little Hadley is, right there, innocent as could be, she has the DNA of Adam and Eve. She has a sin nature inside of her. She will never have to be taught how to lie. She will never be, have to be taught how to cheat. She will never have to be taught how to steal. And all of you who have ever seen a child know that it comes to them naturally. And it's because of that sin nature that is built into every single one of us we need a second birth. This morning I've referenced a couple times already through prayer that I would ask that not a soul would leave here this morning without knowing for sure that heaven is their home. And what I'm referencing when I say that is that you have a second birth. A point in time in your life where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior where you know for sure without a shadow of a doubt that heaven is your home. You must be born again. Has there been a time in your life where you can point back to that second birth I look back to June 5th, 1985. That was the year I was born. That was the day that I was born. It is a point in time in my life. It happened once and changed me forever. And a spiritual birth is just like that. It happened once, will happen once, or should happen once in all of our lives, and it'll change you forever. It's not a prayer that needs to be prayed every day. It's not, it's not a rosary. If you could get to heaven on your, own, on your own, God would never have had to send His Son to die for you on the cross. If your good works would get you there, if your being moral would get you there, if not doing wrong would get you there, if believing in yourself could get you there, Jesus would have never had to die on that cross. But He did. He had to die. And when He died, the Bible says that He became the propitiation for our sins, but not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. We can have forgiveness of that sin nature. We can be forgiven of our sin and, and, and find a way of escape from that condemnation to hell by accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior, by being born again. Have you been born again this morning? It's the beginning on the journey of motherhood. And there's a part of motherhood that all of us need to experience. In a way. And that is that new birth. That new birth in our lives. This morning, on our journey through motherhood, we see the start, the start of motherhood. But also, in verse number 22, the second half, I stopped right there this morning where it says in her daughter, but now I want to finish that verse. It says, my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. First, we see a mother's start, and next, we see a mother's problem. A mother's problem. Here, Jesus is trying, and let me give you a little backstory. In this passage, Jesus is trying to get away from the crowds. And if you would read, he'd been surrounded by people, people wanting to see all the miracles that he had been performing, people wanting to get close to Jesus. And and the Bible says, uh, if you were to go over to in Mark, and we'll look at it in just a moment, the a parallel the parallel passage here where Mark describes the same story, he gives the detail that Jesus wanted to get alone. But here a woman shows up. And while Jesus is trying to take a break, if you will, Out in the coast of Tyre and Sidon, a woman shows up at his door. And while Jesus is trying to get alone, he finds a woman here with problems. Now, I know every mother in here has perfect little angels, and they'll never do any wrong, right? But let's face some truth. In the real world, if you have a child, you have problems. You have problems. And I'm not saying that your child is a hellion, although they may be, all right? But uh, (laughs) whatever it is, you're going to have problems to some extent. Varying levels of degree, uh, with children comes problems. This woman came to Jesus because she was concerned about her daughter. For some mothers in this room this morning, you can relate very, very closely to this mother. You know exactly what kind of agony this mother was going through. This mother felt as though she was at her wits end. She didn't know what to do. My daughter is vexed with the devil. And here she comes crying out to God, What What can I do? What can you do? You've got to help me. We don't know why this girl was vexed with the devil. And I just want to make that clear. We don't know if she was vexed with the devil because of something her parents were into. I mean, how does she get possessed in the first place? We don't know if it was because of something that she got into. The truth of the matter is it doesn't matter um, really to this mother why her child has a problem. And any mother or parent in this room this morning can identify uh, when the kids got a problem. It really doesn't matter why the problem is there. We just want to help. doesn't matter how they got into the problem. We We want to help them. And that's where this mother is. And she comes to Jesus Christ and says that she cried unto Him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou Son of David. She doesn't come demanding. She comes pleading. This is the attitude that we ought to come to Christ with. Oftentimes we go to God with a demanding spirit. Lord, fix me. Fix this situation. Fix what's going on here. Change this. Change that. And we come demanding of God that He fix things the way that we see them, but, uh, the way that we want them to be. You follow me this morning? We, we have a perspective in how we want things to be done. And sometimes we go to God saying, Lord, fix the situation. I've got a problem. Do it this way. But that's not how this woman comes. She comes pleading, Lord, just help. However you see fit, just help. This is the attitude we ought to come to God with daily, not just in situations of agony, not just in situations of distress. We ought to be crying out to the Lord daily for His help. To a certain degree, I can relate to this mother and the fact that she came to Jesus knowing what the problem was but couldn't do anything about it. Isn't that frustrating? On this journey through motherhood, she could point right at it, her problem. The child is vexed with the devil. And I'm sure that mother had gone to all means to try to fix that situation. But she couldn't. Here she is at her wits end, not knowing what to do, falling back on God. And it's unfortunate that we as a human race far too often wait till we're at the end of our wits before we go to him. Instead of just going to him right at the beginning. Taking our burdens to him. This woman recognizes what her child is, or what her child's problem is, and the child's problem is that it is vexed with a devil. Uh, this mother is a smart mother, and the smartest mothers in the world today recognize that there is a devil who is seeking to destroy their children. A devil that is trying to, to, to uh to destroy the life that you've brought into this world. And he's going to do everything he can to get a hold of them in any way possible. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, reminds us that we are to be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion. Walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Right. Amen. That's good. He's after the kids. He's after the children. He's after the weak. He's after the young. Many mothers can relate to this anxious mother. Many Christians can relate to this anxious mother and having to go to God with problems. I don't know what the problems that you may be facing today in your life, but whether your child is young or whether they're old, I'm sure there's still problems, concerns, anxieties that weigh heavy on your heart. It could even be with your husband, mothers, wives. Husbands today, it could even be with your spouse. It could be with your children. It could be with a family member. It could be even an anxiety or something you're dealing with inside of you. The struggle inside. Often we point around to the problems of mothers and point to children or (laughs) husbands. But a lot of times mothers have things they're working through on their own, things internally that they're trying to overcome and deal with and correct and fix. I want to encourage you today to turn to God. There is something that He can do that no one can do except for Him. Don't wait till you're at your wits' end. On this journey through motherhood, unfortunately, this mother she waited till she was at her wit's end. She comes pleading and crying out to God. Now I'm glad she eventually got there. But it'd be better off if we started there. There's a song that was written, an old hymn. It says, Is there a heart or bound by sorrow? Is there a life weighed down by care? Come to the cross, each burden bearing. All your anxiety, leave it there. All your anxiety, all your care. Bring to the mercy seat, leave it there. Never a burden he cannot bear, never a friend like Jesus. A wise professor once said, let us pray. We can do nothing better than pray, and after we pray, we can do everything better. We can do everything better. So often we wait to go to God as a last resort. We wait to go to God as a last resort. Let's not wait. Let's go to him. And I know sometimes it may seem difficult. There was a minister in a certain church who would call the children down to the front at the beginning of the service and tell them a little Bible story. One time he brought a telephone to illustrate the idea of prayer. He said, now kids, you know that uh, you, how you talk to people on the telephone. You don't see them on the other end of the line, but you know they're there. You're talking to them. The children nodded their heads, yes. He said, well, talking to God is like talking on the telephone. He's on the other end of the line, even though you can't see him, but he's listening. About that time, a little boy piped up and said, what's his number? What's his number? And that's, that's often how we feel. We feel as though we can't get a hold of God. You ever been there? We don't feel like you're getting the response. We wait to the last minute. We wait to a point of desperation. We wait to a point of all of the anxieties overwhelming us. And, and moms in this room especially understand what that's like to just be overwhelmed with the task of daily life. Living. Just simply living. Getting out of the bed in the morning to the, to the demanding children and uh, the demanding husband and the demands of the day, the tasks, the laundry, the, the things that will repeat themselves throughout the rest of your life seemingly. Understand what that anxiety is and, and oftentimes it's just built up into a ball of frustration until A, it's either released upon the family or B, it's released upon God. But today... I want to encourage you to not wait for that ball of anxiety to build up to the point of frustration and depression in your life. Take those anxieties to God. Bring them to God. Cry out to God as this as this woman did. He is the one that can move mountains. He is the one that can, that can meet your needs. And, and for those of you this morning that may be lost and not sure that heaven is your home, He's the one that can save your soul. Don't wait. Don't wait to cry out to God. Do you believe this morning that he is exceedingly abundantly uh, able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think? Then if you do, why wait? If he can do a se- exceedingly abundantly above all that you could even ask or think, why wait to the point of frustration? Why wait till the child is in, pro- in trouble? Why wait till you're in depression? Cry out to God today. A mother knows how much she wants to help her kids. That desire that's built into her. And I believe a very solid argument could be when a child's in trouble, there's nobody that wants to help quite as desperately as mom. Your heavenly father feels more so than you do about the problems that you have. And he wants you to come. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give give you rest. Those problems that are coming in your life that you're going to face every single day of your life, don't wait until they've heaped up into a mountain that you don't know how to handle. Go to God. Cast your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. When we as children have problems, we go to our mothers. And it often is that squeal of agony that brings a mother running faster than anything else. That cry of pain. All mothers know what it is. I recall several instances where a child, or at least a couple, I won't indemnify myself too badly here, several instances where one of our kids would have been sitting on the couch or somehow climbed to the top of the stairs and then took a tumble. And you hear that child wail and pain and mom comes flying out of the room or the kitchen or wherever she was at what happened what happened did you see what happened you just got the baby in her arms and she's panicking worse than the child is and and and, and dad's like it's okay it'll be all right there's no problems here all right he just fell down 12 steps no problem okay <laughs> and uh, and that no big deal all right and, but either way that mom she wants to help and she'll do, she'll do anything within her powers to make it better. She will, won't she? Whatever it takes to comfort that child, she's willing to do. Take a pause from the day, sit with that child and comfort it. Pat its back, dry its tears. The mother will go to no lengths. The story is told of a World War II Holocaust family. Family named by the Rosenbergs. Solomon Rosenberg and his wife, their two sons, and his parents were arrested and placed in a Nazi concentration camp. It was a labor camp. The rules were simple. As long as you could work, you stayed alive. But the moment you couldn't work any longer, you were exterminated. A horrible, horrendous time in our history. Over six million Jews were killed, really for no reason. Pure hatred. Eventually, Solomon Rosenberg's parents, who were elderly, were exterminated because of their inability to work. Every evening, Solomon would come back to the barracks after his hours of labor and search for the faces of his family. When he found them, they would huddle together in a corner and thank God for another day that they had to spend with each other, that they made it. But he knew that out of all of his family His son David would be the next to go David was weak and always had been but one day he came back to the barracks And couldn't find any of his family's faces And eventually discovered his son Joshua In a corner huddled weeping And praying out He said Joshua tell me it's not true Joshua turned and said it's true Papa Today David was not strong enough To do his work so they came for him But where's your mother? Asked Rosenberg Oh Papa he said When they came for David he was afraid and cried Mama said there's nothing to be afraid of David She took his hand And went with him There's nothing to be afraid of I'll go with you A mother understands problems. A mother understands how much she wants to help. But this morning, I want to encourage you that as emotionally challenging that story is and how well it demonstrates the love of a mother, there is a Heavenly Father who loves to a greater extent than we can even understand. Such great love that He laid down His Son so that we could have eternal life. We may have problems. On the journey of motherhood, there's going to be problems. But there is a God who cares and wants to help. And so on our journey this morning, we see a mother's start and we see a mother's problems. But as we continue on this journey, we see a mother's testing. In verse number 23 through 26, if you would read with me this morning there, it says, but he answered her not a word. So here this mother is crying out to Jesus, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. says, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. This woman was desperate. And she knew that only Jesus could help her. And let me explain these verses if I could for us this morning. I know I read through them quickly, but... I want to just uh very quickly this morning re- reiterate some things. This woman is about to go through a test. And any mother <laughs> knows that there are some tests that you will you will face in life. There's some testings. This mother comes crying out to God, "Lord, help me." And his response is silence. Nothing. Can you imagine her frustration? No answer from God. Here I go just describing how much God loves us and this woman comes with great problems and agony within her heart and begging for help and God responds with nothing. Seemingly, I I can only put these pieces together here, but the disciples picked up on the fact that Jesus was being silent and assumed that He didn't care because they respond to Jesus and say, Jesus... Send this woman away; she's just crying after us. Send her away. What are we going to do with this bawling woman over here? She's a mess. <laughs> Typical man, right? Not knowing how to deal with the, cry, the tears, right? And here he is, the disciple saying, "Just Jesus, send her away. Send her away." And this was the beginning of a test that the Lord would put her through in these ne- in these next verses that uh, we just read. But I want, before we even start, I want you to understand that she persisted through these testings because she knew that Jesus was the only one who had the answer for her. In verse number 23... Just the beginning part there, it says, She cried, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the spirit. Immediately, I would say, Okay, the Lord, He's beseeched by a woman. This woman is crying out to Him. And I would think that His response would either be yes or no, or sure, she's healed. But no, there is no response. No response at all. But I want to just point out here that His silence was not a lack of concern. He was testing her faith. He was testing her to see if she really believed that He was really the solution to her problem. And every once in a while in our lives, the Lord will test us. He will test our faith. And, and it's not to weaken our faith, it is to strengthen our faith, to see if we ultimately do believe that He is the solution to our problems. So His response of answering not a word, it was not, it was not disconcern, it was a test. The disciples' discourteousness, their response of saying send her away, uh, was just really ultimately the bad attitude of the disciples. Let me just touch on something here. A lot of times it is the testimony of God's people that turn other people off to turning to the Savior. Was that too wordy? Do you understand what I'm saying? We get in the way. We have bad attitudes. We complain. We air all of our dirty laundry. We talk about how miserable we are. We, as Christians, talk about all of the misery of our lives and people look at it and say, what kind of God is that? And here are these disciples standing by as this woman comes crying out in agony. in, in, in only in agony a mother could understand, Lord, help my daughter. And, and the disciples are saying, Lord, send her away. She's just a crying woman. We need to be careful this morning that when the Lord's sending people through some testings and through some trials that we're a good testimony. That we extend grace. We fail in it so often being gracious Christians. We want to crucify people as soon as they've done something wrong. We want to nail them to the cross. No forgiveness for them. They're getting what they deserve. It's not our role in life. We are... Ex- Uh, encourage and exhort that is the challenge of the brethren we need to make sure that we follow through with it so we see we see here that the lord's silence was a testing we see the disciples were another test of of their their rudeness and then we see the lord's apparent refusal as another test even in verse number 24 it says and jesus answered and said i am not sent unto the lost sheep of the house of israel Remember, this woman was a Gentile. There's, there's two roles in the Bible. There's the Jews and the Gentiles. And at this point, Jesus was saying, my, my, my ministry here on this earth is to reach the, the children of Israel. That's what he came to seek and to save. He came for his children first. And we know eventually they would refuse him and he would open up salvation's plan to, to the Gentile nation. All of us that are sitting here today but his apparent refusal came as another test. And sometimes we look at things and it seems as though God's saying, absolutely no, there's nothing I can do for you. Sorry, you're on your own. But this woman wouldn't take it. She said, I know that you're the answer. Even though you're telling me no, there's a reason for this. Even though you're not giving me the answer I want to hear, I, I still have faith, I still have faith, I still have faith that you can help, that you can fix, that you can solve this problem. And although she was faced with an apparent no, she persisted still on. She didn't belong to the house of David. And you notice when she first came to him, she said, O oh Lord, son of David, and God says, hey, you're not a Jew. I can't help you. No. But that doesn't stop this woman. She turns around. The Bible says, in verse number 25, later on in our passage here, says, then she came again, and she worked, worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. She dropped the whole Jewish thing. She said, I don't care if I'm not a Jew or not. I still know that you have the answer. If I'm not in the right lineage, it doesn't matter to me. I know that you're still the solution. And she came back again and said, Lord, you've got to help. You've got to help. You've got to help. She persisted. She persisted. And how often do we just give up in the faith? Testing comes. We understand we have problems. We're on this journey of life. The problems come. And then all of a sudden we go to God because we know he's got the solution. And then he puts us through a test. And he puts us through a test. And then he says no. And she persists on her faith being strong. It doesn't stop there for this woman, though. Because then he turns and he rebukes her in verse number 26. It says and she continued to cry unto him. And he said It is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. Now he's not calling her a dog as in like a ravenous animal, you know. He's he's referring once again to the children of Israel, the Jewish people, and then he's referring to the Gentiles. He's referring to a dog much like you'd refer to a pet. He's saying there's two different there's two distinctions here. There's, there's, the, there's the Jews, and they're the ones I came to help. And, and, and although she already said, well, Lord, just help me anyway. I know I'm not a Jew. He said, is it meat for me? I can't give the children's food to the dogs. Steal from their mouths? How dare I? He rebukes her. It seems like a pretty rough thing to say, actually, when you look at it. No matter how you want to look at it, the definition of dog there, a pet or not, it's still a pretty rough thing to say. He basically calls the woman a dog. And you know what this woman's response is? That's it. I've had enough of this, God. You can't help me? Then okay, I'll go somewhere else and get a solution. And she walks away. No, that's how we respond. When we walk out of a church and say, that stinking pastor. I can't believe he said that about me. He wasn't talking about you. He was talking about sin or he was talking about something we need to do, right? And it just hit us right between the eyes. People walk out of a church and say, I'll never go back. There are so many hypocrites in that church. No, that's not her response. She said, okay, if I'm a dog, I'm a dog. It don't matter to me, Lord. If you want to call me a dog, I'll be a dog. But even the dogs get some of the crumbs that fall off the children's table. Even the dogs get some of the crumbs that fall off The table This woman was put through some tests And Test after test after test after test, her faith grew stronger and stronger and stronger. Her persistence grew greater and greater and greater, and never once did this mother back down the whole time, just listening to what the Savior said to her, and making changes in her life and then pursuing forward. She comes to him, Lord, son of David, help me no, you're not a son, you're not in the Jewish line i can't help you, oh Lord, then just help me, help me, help me i 'm sorry, i can't give what dessert is the children 's bread to the dogs. They're, Lord, I'm a dog, but just give me the crumbs that fall off the table. I just need a little bit of your power. I just need a little bit of your help. She persisted on. So we see a mother's start. We see a, mother, a mother's problems. We see a mother's testing. But notice now, a mother's success. A mother's success. And if, Stephanie, if you would get ready, and Miss Jen, please. And Verse number 27, it says, And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. She says it right here, plain as day, what I've already reiterated. I'm willing to get as low as you want me to go. Lord, it doesn't matter what you're going to put me through. It doesn't matter what hardship you're going to send me through. It doesn't matter how low you're going to make me go. I'll get there. If it's what it's going to take for your help. If it's what it's going to take for my daughter to be healed. She said, It doesn't matter. What an attitude. How low are we willing to go? Now, let's first all acknowledge that we've got problems. We do. And a lot of times we know and we understand that he's the answer for help, and a lot of times we even go to him. And he says, oh, "I need you to work on this area first, and I need you to correct this, and I need you to change this." And he begins to point and massage, you know, those massages that are painful, <laughs> that hit those knots, send chills down your spine. The one that's like, it feels good, but this really hurts and I don't think I want you to keep going. He begins to try to massage those knots and those kinks out of our Christian lives, talking to us about how we need to be faithful to the house of God, maybe. How we shouldn't just be coming to Sunday morning services and forsaking the house of the Lord every other service during the week. Maybe talking to us about how we need to have a stronger walk with Him, spending more time daily in the Word of God maybe talking to us about our faithfulness and our willing to serve and where our attitude really is at, who we serve in our ministries. Do we serve men or do we serve God? Now, I don't know what area he might be addressing for you, but face it, we all have problems and every once in a while the Lord points them out to us and it doesn't feel good. This woman said, Lord, whatever you want to change in me, it doesn't matter. I'm willing to be changed because I want the end result and I have faith that you're the one who's going to bring it in my life. Too often we are not willing to give up what it will take To get the answer that we're needing And this woman was willing to go As low as she needed to go There's a song that I've asked Stephanie to sing for us this morning I think it captures beautifully Really what the heart of this mother Is saying And I'm going to have the guys Put the words up on the song On the screen here And as she's singing I don't want you really to be looking at her I want you to read these words along with her Think about the attitude in the heart of this mother as she was willing to steep as low as it took to get the answer from God. There's a such a powerful song you think about those words there for whatever it takes to draw closer to you lord that's what i'll be willing to do whatever it takes to be more like you that's what i'll be willing to do would you trade sunshine for rain would you trade the dearest things in your life I believe this woman was almost to the point where she, said, she would say, Lord, you can take my child. Just stop the pain. It's how low she was willing to stoop to have her problem resolved. How low? How low will we go to get to be more like God, to become more like His Son? Too often we say and sing words like this, But when the rubber meets the road and we're the mother crying out in a heart of agony, it stops at the losing of our convenience. It stops at discomfort. It stops where we receive some pushback. But this woman here puts I'm going to say it, everyone in this room to shame and I don't know what you've been through, and it's a car blanche statement. But this woman, she was willing to go as low, as low as low could be, in order to get her answer. And we see in verse number 28, and we're closing, then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Her prayer was answered. Her faith in Christ was proven to be right on target. And although she faced those testings and although she received some pushback, she persisted on through, and in the end, she got the answer she was looking for. A journey through motherhood. The start, the problems, the testings. But ultimately, if we persist through, depending on God, success. This is not just a lesson for mothers. After all, I think we all can draw the parallels here. We all face a journey in life. And in our spiritual lives, there must be a start. There must be a point where you are born again, where you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I can guarantee you, if you're a child of God today, you will face problems. And you will be put to the test. But in the end, if you persist and your faith remains strong, you will hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. There will be that sweet success. A journey through motherhood and really ultimately a lesson on a journey through life as a believer. I don't know where you're at in your journey today. Maybe today your journey is about to begin. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Don't leave this place without knowing for sure. I don't know if you're in the stage of problems where you don't know what to do. Faced with difficult decisions I don't know If you're at the point of testing You know what the problem is And you've identified it But you're receiving kickback You're receiving pushback You don't know what to do quite yet I don't know if you're there Maybe you've just experienced the success And you're at a high point in your Christian life But wherever you're at We're all going to face journeys And it's going to repeat itself over and over again As far as stages 2 through 3 Problems, testings, and success Problems, testing, success wherever you're at today, I want to encourage you to persist. Persist and totally depend on the Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning if you would. And I don't know in which way the Lord spoke to your heart, but I have no doubt that He did. I know I felt the Holy Spirit's presence. There's many people in this room, and without a doubt, I'm sure that there are some in here today who don't know for sure that heaven is your home, and you only know that I can't tell it and I can't judge it for you. But if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come down to the front. There'll be a gentleman down here that'll be able to show you from the Word of God. If you're a lady, there'll be a lady down here be able to show you from the Word of God exactly what it means to be saved, to know that heaven is your home. Do not put it off. We're not guaranteed this life. We're born into it, but we don't know when it's going to end. The Bible says today is the, the day of salvation. Don't put it off. You don't know when the life will end. But other than that, if the Lord is speaking in your heart about how important it is for you to persist or be faithful, however he spoke to you today, I want to encourage you to come and let the Lord work in your life this morning. And if you want to cry out down at this altar, you're more than welcome to do so. But let the Lord have control in your life today. Do not walk out with a hardened heart towards his word. Let's bow in prayer.